0: I think at that time, there's a lot of uh, artists, but also there's also a lot of people uh, concerned about privacy. Because you took a picture of the Louvre, let's say, you didn't really consent for it to use in the power of something else. Although it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger project, let's just say, it's something could be of a bigger good for, for the mankind, The people you say this is my image. Why do I want you to have my email into your project?
1: Hello, and welcome to the UX Usability Podcast. You know, so much has changed over the last year, and not just in the way that we think about working from home and not seeing our loved ones, but our behaviours have changed enormously. Now, last year, the idea that pensioners would be embracing online shopping, online retail, online banking, that'd be crazy. No one would have seen that coming. No one would have thought of that. But it's now a reality. And online services, as a whole area of design, that has become the most crucial platform for retailers just to stay alive. And as we look forward into the world, we're no longer going to be designing these systems for young, tech savvy people and then maintaining the old ways for retired people. It's going to be a universal design language. We're going to be having Apps, we're going to be having websites for everyone. We always knew this would come, but not so fast, which makes it an incredibly exciting time. Now, I'm just going to sit down tonight with Heidi Smith and we're going to talk about designing for the insurance industry, designing for the apps that are replacing the piece of paper that comes through our door and paving a way for this design future. And we're also going to talk about Thematic analysis. Going to talk about understanding people. We're going to talk about art and photography. It's going to be a fantastic time, and I really hope that you gain as much out of this as I did. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Senior UX Designer Heidi Smith. Second ago, you were telling me that you are heavily involved in Aviva's onboarding journey, registration, sign in. Could you explain a little bit more about what this is?
0: So, my Aviva is something people. Um, if you if you're a customer of Aviva, um, Aviva have a business of many different domains, apart from insurance, also pension. It could be uh, um, any one of the many products um, of our customer. So, by by signing up to my Aviva or over this portal, you'll be able to see your policy and a lot of things you'll be able to do online. And when, when I joined, basically, they're, they're running a campaign to hope want people to sign up to this uh, platform so they can self-service manage their, their own policy and manage their own, um, uh, uh, well, renewal or questions, they be able to find their documents, so things will be, easier for customer so the whole idea is to yeah to to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to sign up
1: so is this a really integral part of uh, how the company tries to communicate with its users or is it a side uh, feature to the website and other features
0: well it's uh, it's still on its own it's it's something it's you can think of it as a service we offer. So we want people be able to be able to access the the uh, information easily online. And I think it the industry is going through um, you know the whole idea of you have an insurance and then they send you a letter once a year and then remind you you need to renew vote or, or if you are having uh, a having pension, again, so you will only have a letter once a year telling you this is uh, how much money you have in the account. And that's also thing we, we think we should be able to do online. If you want, Once you create a MyViva account and if you have a product with us, you should be able to check all that information online. So that's the the reason that was the original idea why uh, the business is creating that.
1: Okay. So I understand that with insurance, it's a very mm-hmm. cutthroat industry that the first year someone signed up to a policy, the insurer doesn't really make any money. It's every other year after that. Do you think that having a great experience on a platform that manages all of these services helps people stay longer or is it a uh smaller Im- impact
0: oh that de- definitely it i think it create more transparency and you be able to with people uh be able to look for uh what they have bought and how much money they pay and that sort of information is is quite important to help people to make this decision. Obviously, um convenience also one of the things we wanted to uh, provide to our customer. If you think about if people um, nowadays we all doing things on online, not just on desktop, on mobile and, and MIV, for the whole idea is you can access it on the mobile. You, and, and we have an app as well, Against that is kind of linked up to that. You can do it on the website, mobile web. And, and the whole idea is, yeah, providing that definitely get people more incentive to um, come back to us. And we do we do have measure on that. But, um, yeah, it's a positive measure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's put that on the corporate secrets and say we can't talk about that.
0: <laughs> it's not really a corporate secret, but in terms of, um, user experience if you have uh, uh, something let's say useful to you and make things very simple for you to renew something and in, and and but there's, in the industry and there is the general behaviors if even if you get a renewal notice, now people's normal behavior is just go online, go on any compare uh, uh, Pisces, uh website. They will then go very quickly, be able to check what what they think will be the most, uh, um, uh, let's say, the ideal price for the customer, and the whole. Um, if even brand is uh, slightly different, we want to make sure customers seeing that this is what you've been uh, paying, and, and you you can get that information very easily, and and that's that's the new price definitely i i personally think it really helped people to come back there's a quite um uh kind of building the relationship with someone
1: Mm. so what struggles have you gone through as a team to get to the point where you can achieve all of this
0: well this 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 project has been going on for for a long time when i came in i I really um, focusing on make sure uh, certain things work as as good as they are. Recently, I helped um, uh, implement uh, um, uh, something called photo IDV, so, so helping people to be able to use their face to lock into a more secure area of the um, of their policy. So the the I think the team struggle one of the things struggle in this particular thing was because aviva is a company of many companies joined together and a lot of our information or a lot of the data is owned by different different company or we are all under the same umbrella so but when you want to put people into the same 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 arena within the same website or same same login and there's a lot of uh, different kind of like technical wise, there's so many different systems you need to link them together. And then the database or, or policy, what it's offering, they're all different. People bought a policy ten years ago, they will have a different policy number from a different company, and how do you then register them? And so there's a there's a lot of that technical, um difficult difficulty. Mm. But also there's also there's a little bit of um, with certain insurance, people doesn't have a great uh loyalty to change the insurance especially car insurance its it's just a lot of people would just change every year so how how do you if they leave and then when they come back, how do you make sure it's the same person how do you recognize them so that's just technical problem, but also mm-hmm. building up the team how how do we get all these different people work together and I think that but um, MyViva, I think, was one of the um, uh, projects really involved a lot of people, and it was a great team to work on that.
1: Mm. It sounds pretty challenging. Um, <laughs> you know, every time you try and do cross systems, it's always a nightmare. Do you find that the customer experience, what people are expecting from any service you give, is the same for all the products, or do different a kind of product consumers want something different?
0: I think people's expectation actually year on year is um, expecting more and more because generally um, the whole um, digital industry, um, people be so used to, let's say, Google or or going on online banking. The expectation of things happen on their fingertips some will take it for granted um so generally the standard and um, need to be high but we do find because some of our customers um are maybe they're more uh in a in a uh, higher age group so they might be struggling so we are very careful make sure um we are we catered for everyone, things that work need to work for everyone, and we have a very high accessibility standard to make sure it's easy for use. So I do, I do think in terms of customer, their uh, expectation are much more higher nowadays.
1: So when you think about the experience people from uh, getting insurance, working through, getting these platforms, wanting more year-on-year, what is it that people... What kind of experience are you trying to give to people through your services?
0: I think from the business point of view, obviously it's um, uh, easy and convenient to be able to get a call, get get a, um, what people come here for, but different products actually have different requirements. So if, I, uh, mm. if I'm you coming to to Aviva, you're looking for opening a saving account, how you're expecting from us, probably the deposits will be different from you coming on to us directly Want to get a car insurance. So you might already know you want it or you don't want it, or you might be coming to it just looking for information. So we talk a lot about um, uh, user journey and thinking about when, when, let's say, if you're coming to buy a car insurance or you already have an insurance with us, you're thinking about renewal, what you'll be looking at, what should we direct you? If you are renewal, the first thing is we really encourage you to go sign into your MyViva. So you might see something only offer for you or you see things more relevant to you. And so this is the thing we can offer within uh, MyViva. And if you're a new customer, and then we can say, uh, you 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 come into the site and then obviously and then there will be information about showing uh, why our product uh, what is the uh, why is it better than other and how is it um, um, guide them to come to the final conclusion or um, signing up or buying the product.
1: Mm. That's quite interesting about a different fields. So obviously, experience design, user experience design is. Still a relatively young field, and it's always evolving. <laughs> so when you're thinking about creating these experiences for your customers, how do you define what an experience is?
0: Mm, it's in- interesting. We have a very, um, with our team, we have a research team. We talk to our customer quite a lot. And a lot of time you have um, Customer satisfaction is one of the measurements we're following. So there is always the um, um, kind of the website on the portal. They will use the um, net promoter score, score over 10. We do little survey. But most of the project, before we do, we do talk to our customer. We want to find out what is the pain point, what what will make their uh, experience better. We're trying to identify the where, in what places need to be improved and then we before we go on the project. So when you say, yeah, experience is quite an um, abstract thing, but if you're working on particular product or particular journey, and they will have things you can improve, and that will be the specific experience I'm, I'll be looking for to make it better.
1: Mm. So it sounds very qualitative, research-driven.
0: Oh yes, yes. Um we also have quantitative. we're obviously looking at numbers, <laughs> how long people mm-hmm. stay on the side, um, journey, drop out, looking at funnel if you already have a have a journey. So that's just the kind of standard on one side, but and the other side we want to understand why people you use us, why people come to us and what is that they they find uh most stopping them to do what they want to do. So that mm-hmm. is the other side of the uh, spectrum. So we use a uh, qualitative on the research team, but we also have quantitative, uh, quantitative, uh, 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 number crunching at the other side.
1: <laughs> okay, let's um, step back and think about last time you're running one of these qualitative interview sessions. Okay, can you talk us through how many people were involved, the kind of questions you asked, and the kind of analysis that you would go through?
0: Okay, um, so. I think few few months ago, I did run a session for, um, so we we were having this hypothesis, certain thing, if it change, it will be um, better for uh, people signing up, easier for people to to getting into the site. So there was a prototype of a new journey being created and, and we going into um, uh, testing it. Um, we did it um, in a lab, uh involved 12 people and and we have a, a researcher and the designers there and we have the uh, 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 business stakeholder and we send our emails to invite whoever wants to come in over two day time. but we also have an online link and if anyone cannot make it on site, they can dine in excuse me to to see um, the session. Um yeah sorry what was the question again <laughs> what kind of question yeah. uh, interview
1: to league 101 don't oh. overburden the uh, yeah yeah so um what kind of questions did you ask them when you sat them down
0: ah so the the first thing is really just to um try to understand um um how they use our surface first you always have 5 minutes to just be um just try to build a rapport try to understand uh, your participant and also make sure they understand this is not um we're not testing them it's really just testing the, uh, what we build the prototype and i will a lot of time i will actually guide them through will give them a task to go and do it on the prototype Um, i wouldn't i will i will ask questions more related to why why do they Touch certain thing. Why did they click certain area, um, and we we'll, we will ask them um, what they think is the overall. What do they think is good experience? What do they think is a problem? But a lot of that I will take it in really um, with a pinch or so. Sometimes because sometimes people struggle they couldn't do certain things, but because facing you, they would generally say, oh, this is fine, or no, 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 there's not a problem, or I find this, I think it's quite good. So, the what people say <laughs> is not necessarily um, what the uh, um, usability-wise, whether actually they, they, they successfully complete the, the task. So, But I will, yeah, I generally will ask uh, why people do certain things, what were they thinking, and how did they um, come to that conclusion? And I, I generally I also ask a lot of time I will ask, um, uh, um, how do they think about overall um, um, the brand, the, the 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 step they have gone through, and and what what do they think about the whole experience of from coming from page one to then page five, let's just say, and how. Yeah, how how were they defined themselves
1: mm. these sound like very uh, very functional mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, what's the word very <laughs> functional processes using the system, how much time do you focus on the emotions of person
0: um, with the, the the testing itself is really quite task driven uh, but at the end After they finished the test, I think that was the uh, function um, a little bit more on the emotion side. I've done um, uh, like a a, a, a kind of evaluation, um, give the participant like a selection of cards, and then they can just pick five cards with the wording, how they feel about the the experience or how they feel about the, the prototype. Um, with wording from overall from like, I trust the brand or this is boring. So emo- more emotive um, uh, description of how they feel and use those. Um, over 10 or 12 participants, you get a quite good idea how people think about it, whether they felt this is uh, really... Useful, practical, or people will say this is boring, or this is um, um, uh, um, under under expectation or up, over expectation. So that's a that's a bit more emotive sign. So get mm. them to choose certain work because with the a selection of words, and then you can quantify it with about ten or fifteen people. It's it's not like a big. Con- really with number to quantify their feeling. But you get a, a sentiment if majority of the people think this is trustworthy, or majority of people think this is exciting. So just that's for example. So mm. um, yeah that's how I would use try to gauge their emotional response.
1: Mm. So once you got all this data, you know, I'd imagine you'd have hours of recordings of what they've said and what they've done. How do you go about analyzing it? Something that is meaningful for a design process?
0: For the video, I definitely will have to rewatch them. Um in in the old old, old, old day, in in the in the old, old day, I will try to transcribe them, but obviously this this is like almost in a commercial environment it's quite unlikely we transcribe the whole thing. But you will try to pick our words. I will be watch the video Um, make sure. So during the during the session, uh, we have people will be um, making notes and, and, and using post-it note on the other room to make sure each participant or the highlight is a document. And, and I will compare the notes we already have with the video, make sure we haven't really missing anything, um, but also try to get... Uh, so get a feeling of what what we've been what we've been doing. So at the end of the first day, let's say we've done six people, and before we go home, we will kind of sitting together, a whole group, uh, everyone involved. We'll be able to try to like trying to see whether there's some big picture coming up. So that is the first first step of organizing this data. So we have a sense of what we get first day. If there's anything. We set out to try to find out wasn't um, didn't come out as we wanted. We can change the prototype for the second day. We can we can um, uh, we can kinda of almost like update, not update, but trace the, the testers the second day, we make sure we get all those answers. Um so when after the second day, um we got all this data potentially. You you <laughs> I do a lot just on um, uh, Excel spreadsheets <laughs> 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 per participant, <laughs> per question, per answer, per step, and then also with the with um with the um post-it note, and then make sure again did, did we answer the question we set out to ask? We we want to find out this thing if it work, does it work? We want to find out what people think about. Um, having this extra step, and then did did it did it work at the end and and what was people's sentiment? so so, yeah, and then based on that, and then we, yeah, we will prepare a kind of a um, report and presentation with the bigger group so everyone know what's the outcome.
1: Mm. So part of the agile design process having iteration and constantly moving forward,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In a way, it is um, it's quite hard sometimes to make sure every uh, project will have the research kind of slot into your development process. But the high idea is, yeah, we always wanted to um, verify with customer. We always want to verify with the people who are going to use the final product and make sure what we're building is correct. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is it's, it's just a constant thing.
1: Yeah, I guess with insurance, it's a strange one because at one level, you want to give the best experience to your customers mm-hmm. so that they're going to talk to their friends and say, hey, I'm I'm now using Aviva and it's wonderful. Um, I had that with Starling app for mm-hmm. um, banking. I could imagine banking on your phone was fun until I used Starling. Um, at the same point, insurance is a very dry service mm-hmm. compared to other things like like food delivery mm-hmm. so it must be very difficult to kind of I think, champion those exciting moments
0: <laughs> I think I'm very lucky in that sense we have a very good team the digital team in Aviva is a, um, uh, have a, it's a very uh, knowledgeable group of people and we work very closely together I think one of the challenge you, you're right there because it's an old industry and there's a lot of rule, regulation, compliance, what you can say, what you can't say, what you can ask, what can come first and what can't come first or later. A, it, is a, it is a struggle. It's a very easy to, in a designer's point of view, I make it, um, ask this question in this sequence, A to Z and then done. But because of all these kind of rules and regulation, sometimes it doesn't work. That straightforward. However, we are we are working very closely with like the, the compliant team, the uh, the legal team, to make sure everything we put in um, is customer focused, but also comply with what is allowed. Mm. Yeah. So because of that, it is we we have a really good uh, content team. We help us to try to write content in a bit more. Uh, it is the idea is in a more fanny languages. It, it's a it's a process, so it, mm. it will take some time to get there.
1: So if I was to have magic wand and I could just take <laughs> away all those barriers, and say, Heidi, you can do whatever you like. What would you like to achieve? Mm.
0: You do see a lot of uh, there's some uh, startup uh, insurance company, uh, and they are. Um, much easier to get a call, for example. But we do realize, ultimately, once you written a contract with a customer, and there will be time they call up. So, so what I wanted to do for what we can do is make sure we can be as simple as possible, but providing that source of a uh, customer service that. Um, will expect of us as a as a big company uh, in in the us there they are the current there are a lot of uh, innovation within the insurance sector but it's almost like you see people popping up oh have you seen this company you only have to fill in your postcode let's say and then you can get a <laughs> call um or you only have to answer three questions and then they will tell you uh uh, uh uh how, how much is a life insurance for X, like Y, mom, only? But uh, on the surface, you you can do it very easily. But on the behind that, then the just all that uh, need to work together.
1: Mm-hmm. So, could you just try back a second ago. You said that mm-hmm. you used Net Promoter Score and some stats as well as the qualitative insights. Do they play a big role in this process, or Are they of a minor issue?
0: Um, I think it depends. Every project is different, and also how technical that project will be. We um, there are projects. the 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 Net Promoter Score is more for just general customer satisfaction. In that sense. And we, we have project um in the team they won a uh, sex score. Just want to uh, uh um, sorry, um what's the term? Want to quantify against all the site. Um, it's it's different different thing, the different part of the of the project, I would say. I I, I can't say which one is more important. Mm-hmm.
1: That's fair enough, so Heidi Smith, I've uh, talked a lot about what you're doing with <laughs> your job a lot about um you know your employer. I want to get a little know a little bit more about you so obviously, we connected over LinkedIn and <laughs> read your LinkedIn profile, but what should I ask you that LinkedIn doesn't suggest
0: <laughs> oh, okay um, I've seen anything okay oh apart from UA I am also very uh, a keen photographer and which I'm not really uh uh follow up but there I, I think there's something I always think, imagined in my life if I continue I would like to work somewhere to improve uh, uh some kind of digital experience for photographers <laughs> it makes sense i try i like to mix things i like together so yeah that's that's the thing i guess you can ask okay. me about that
1: <laughs> so what so it's been the world of photography obviously has been going for what 120 odd years what do you think is lacking in the photography world
0: it's not really lacking it's the technology against is um, everyone's using uh, a phone is almost like a camera now, in a sense that uh, uh, dig- digital or technology has changed how people perceive photography. I think previously you uh, you have uh, one of those called that brownie little brown box to take pictures, and then you got the period. Everyone have a like a Nikon or Canon camera. And then and then and then gone for a period, everyone, you know, be a more serious and invest in camera gear. But nowadays when when the phone starting when people start being able to use their phone to take picture at the beginning, they were just oh, okay, taking picture. But with social media, the the idea of taking picture or taking your own picture, it became something very different from how um people perceive it as a photographer or professional photographer. So there's that's something really interesting there. And I, I would like to, yeah, um, think more about it. In a way, you think about data and then there was a period, um, I don't know if they still do it, but, um, I can't remember what it was, Yahoo. They collected loads of image. That was early day of uh, 3D model. Oh yeah. Yeah, do you remember that? Mm. So they collected loads of image, let's just say uh, uh, pictures of the um, um, big band, and with, but just people posted on uh, social media. And then they try to use that to make it into a three d or, or or a, a surface of people be able to see a three dimensional of a, how Big Bang would look like. And there's a lot of things about um, questions of can you use my image when I post on social media? um who own this now? One is out there and or does it really yeah, well, where is it that photography. Ouch.
1: I'm trying to dig my um, PhD thesis out of um, my computer <laughs> right now because oh, it must have been uh, 2009, so 11 yeah. years ago.
0: Yeah, I went to a I conference to uh, yeah. talk about that um, um, image and and technology, and that was the beginning of that. And I thought there's there's something there.
1: Yeah, so at the conference I went, to, um, I was speaking to one of the guys from Yahoo. He was telling me about how they found loads of pictures of Yoda popping up <laughs> randomly in San Francisco and the whole team go, what the hell's up with this? And they found out that there's a new statue, people yeah. take pictures of social media. And they went, huh, if we start following tags, everyone's just randomly posting online, we can start to do some really awesome things with, you know, obviously search technology, 3d images, all these things. Um, and then Microsoft made, oh, what the hell was it called? Photosynth.
0: Is it the name of it? I can't yeah. it's the name. Yeah,
1: it could it, be. It did exactly what you're talking about. Um, you just go and take a lot of photos of wherever you are, and then it renders it a 3D model, and you can walk around your photos on your computer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I think, that was the thing they were developing at that time. With one of the um, kind of demonstrations, just talking about the idea of it, I think a lot of people at that time just felt, "Wow, obviously, um, no one really think about when they are taking a picture or just put it online will be be used in in some mm-hmm. other purpose." But at the same time, you kind of like, "Oh, this is great because photography no longer a solitary action; it's become a you know collaboration. If you want to." Uh, I want to see, I've never been to Paris. I want to see the Louvre, let's say. And then you just go there and then everyone's picture is there. You'll can be able to experience it.
1: Mm. It's kind of weird that we're just here talking about things that happened over a decade ago. <laughs> and, and they still sound incredible because they never really took off. Why do you think that is?
0: I think at that time there's a lot of uh, artists, but also there's also a lot of people. Um, Concern about privacy because it you you took a picture of the Louvre. Let's say you didn't really consent for it to use me in the part of something else. Although it's it's a bigger it's a bigger um, it's a bigger project. Let's just say it's something could be of a bigger good for for the mankind. But people still think this is my image. Why do I want to have my image into your project? I think there's a lot of uh, what is public and what is private. And that's, a, that's the beginning of it, really. It's just really similar to what social media is happening now. Once your, your idea or your, your opinion is out there, it's no longer just your opinion. It's a public opinion because you are talking in a square to a number of people. So, in what at what point at what point at at what point when you post a picture, it's still your private picture, not become a mm. public picture. So I think that was the kind of like the thought at that time. People talk about what is mine, what is belong to mm. the outside.
1: And do you think that killed it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it could be that, but of course, it could be that's a that's can't see where the money is going to come out of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it. Just, so think about with these ideas, I starting to come up again with um, virtual reality mm. and augmented reality, which always seems like it's just about there, but it never quite gets there yet.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think I just see recently in a report, I think Facebook say they have a new... Uh, uh ocular rift coming out or, mm. or another version another even more people feeling like they're in the environment. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I, I think it will take some time. I really do think it will get there, but but what the, everyone will really benefit from it, what the people will really think is a good thing, I do not know. but from what it come out to now, it's not well, is it ten years? maybe less. So maybe haven't gone through the ten years the the mm. final jump, you can't get to the point most of the people feel this is usable, and then maybe mm. it will it will be a bit more it currently, i I see only using in games. i I struggle to see what real life situation you can implement into society, really.
1: Yeah, do you remember let's sort of relive the past again. Do you remember Second Life? Again, yes. about a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Second Life
0: Sim <laughs> creating a world somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Did
1: you ever use Second Life?
0: I think I lock in once, and I scare myself. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yeah, yes, I did I did I did use it. Um but really uh, research, researcher, have a look, but I didn't really um I seen, use it every day over period. So my yeah. experience is very brief. Have you? Have you really? Uh, well?
1: I, I tried to. Yeah. You know, I, I tried to love it because um, I was doing my PhD at the time and <laughs> I was reading all these articles about um, how it's going to be the platform of the future. We're going to have conferences and shops yeah. and we're going to fall in love on it and all these great things. It's like, all oh, right, get, get me some of this. and. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was there, but something was lacking. I mean, what do you think would be needed to take these virtual platforms, either on your computer or on VR, take these virtual platforms to that level where we can use it for things as rudimentary as insurance?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a really good, good point. I remember one of the projects in my um, uh, for my uni. I, I graduated from uh, a city University. One of the research projects they were doing at that time was to build a um, center in Second Life to help people who had um, I can't remember whether it is uh, a phase here. so some some uh, uh, illness but i think it helped them to be able to communicate with others help them to build uh, uh um, confidence to to communicate but i think that is used it's a very specific picking on a second line because there's certain things they could do and couldn't do but also feel people can feel safe in their own environment but you cannot have some kind of um connection with other people and i think that potentially could be the for anything who is online, digital, and will to be able to get to your home, and then you feel like you sit down, I'm um, just every day I come home, I'm u- as if using a computer, I'll be locking into a virtual environment, I'll be using it. The first, number one, the first thing is there must have to be some function for them to want to go into there. And people then could build in some kind of, they will then build. Uh, their comfort zone. How much they want to use it. You you bound to have people have more um, capacity to use it every day. But you also will have people like, no, I actually my eye can't take it. My brain can't take it. This this screen is not really physically comfortable for me. But as in every technology to to go to that that stage, you you need you need a feel milestone. And all I think the currently what we have seeing in what we remember Google Glass? Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to get there. <laughs> I think mean, that's like the first step. Then you have let's have a full helmet. And then you see free size. And then I think you probably next thing you might see some chair invented. You sit in the whole place, see the whole thing. Again, um we are. I would say we're quite far, but I would love to see it because uh, I am a big uh, sci-fi lover. The whole um, um, William Gibson, Neuromancer, uh, going into Matrix, thats also idea. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine, but I really do think physically we're quite far away from it.
1: Mm. So when I first started to research with virtual reality, mm. there's part of me going, why are we sticking to Earth physics? we can do anything I and I, I just wanted like i wanted matrix level yeah infinite corridors of things and then i kind of realized that you know that 75 year old guy or girl somewhere in uh the remote of scotland they're not ready for that yet we've got to take the <laughs> baby steps towards that
0: you might have a city uh suddenly everyone's living inside and do everything within their, their VR, buying all the insurance just online and they're not living their home ever. And then you have um, another place in, the, in in totally everyone not getting this. In a, in a sense, I think the that pandemic make everyone stay in. It's way more, uh, so much more people, so many more people mm-hmm. kind of accepted going online is a, a, a thing. I mean, going online every day, do your shopping, being working in this industry, I thought, okay, just standard. But I do still hear like uh, some relative of, you know, I never use online banking, but I do now because of this. So this is almost like a uptake of that. But this is the first mm. step. Yeah. But how do we then make sure the rest of it on these other places, they will be doing it?
1: Mm. I think we could have great ideas about bringing sci fi, bringing art together into platforms where. It makes everything exciting and everything oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I do remember what you said at the very start about <laughs> the problems you've had getting server A in that building, talking oh. to server B over there within the same company.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 we are still having problems in such a physical level. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I'm struggling to see how, when is it going to go over there? I honestly don't know. In a sense, um, and also feel that I'm not close enough to see the technology actually technology upgrade. What is the next step? Let's say quantum computer or things that could run faster to make these possible. Um, things are not in the same. Uh, system so they don't talk to each other currently against how do we make sure those things happen? If 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 they're not in a network and how how would that be able to communicate? So there's just a lot of these small things. <laughs> small mm-hmm. big things. I'd quite like to see, yeah, someone maybe a solution architect, just try to map out, oh, if we want a city or world to be like this, they would be but, Fantastic project to do, just to mm. try to map out if we want a city, everyone be able to do virtual reality really in the future. What would it like?
1: That's a really great idea, Heidi. It um, kind of reminds me of um, the George Melies film, mm. The Trip to the Moon, from 19... Oh, I know something. <laughs> where you know, the first sci-fi film where they're shooting... The spaceship to the moon yeah and everything's steam and levers and gunpowder and wrought iron <laughs> because the world was steams levers gunpowder and wrought iron exactly they had, they had no concept of anything that actually got us to the moon and then you look at space um so it's space 2001 yeah yeah from uh no is that the 70s yeah um, it was
0: the 70s. It
1: and, we, it. and we knew what, how to get to the moon at that point And still, the inside of this futuristic spaceship is single operation buttons, flashing uh, blue, flashing orange, because that was the world.
0: That was how they could imagine what would happen. So
1: from what we could imagine now, I
0: really want to see, Okay, based on what we understand, uh, let's say I'd like to see maybe there will be voice control. Remember when um, Minority Report first came out? Everyone was like, "Oh, look at the interaction the Tom Cruise doing on the screen! That is the future." <laughs> <laughs> how many years? do you remember that? And then for, for for many years, then all the interaction designers, oh, let's just try to do things like really use your hand directly yeah. control the screen. It didn't happen, but that was how we imagined it.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's when you tell people that use your computer becomes cardio, it starts going, <laughs> ah, I'm okay. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But I guess also there's some of these experiments, you know, trying to bring art and vision and uh, you know, the sci-fi world into our everyday experience. You know, some of them fall flat, but some of them obviously pay off. Like, you know, who could have thought the iPhone coming oh. even 2006?
0: Yeah. It's really changed, changed how people behave, I think. Uh I'd like to see something like that again, like not iPhone, but something come up and everyone the perception of technology, the perception of it or the expectation of it again move up another level. So it, it that that, I, that is uh yeah, that is uh really exciting actually, that.
1: Mm. So everyone listening to this podcast who's a student and at university like we were when all this stuff was kicking off the first time yeah. what skills do you think they need to really make this future happen
0: mm. on in this field what i find is um still the curiosity of how people um, uh uh do their stuff, how people work, how people do stuff. And sometimes you just look at people, do things you think, see, just like um the observation. I think in this in this industry, the observation, the curiosity, but also the tenacity to try to find out why people doing certain things is is very important. That that skill will last you um it doesn't matter within the tray, you want to be a researcher, designer. You want to one project. You want to work uh, as a uh, 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 UX copywriter. It, it still will have the same skill. Is you have to be really interested in people. You really want to to be uh, helping people or understand people and trying to make the technology work for them. And that that's I think is the most important skill.
1: <laughs> I I couldn't say it better myself.
0: <laughs>
1: so Heidi, it's been fantastic talking to you over the last hour. And I think we could probably go on for another hour quite (laughs) easily. Um, But we do have a limited time. So a final question for you. What do you think would make the world a better place?
0: In two days, I really think people need to have more empathy. People have more empathy will be less anger and also more understanding of each other, and then it will make the world a better place.
1: My take, (laughs) and that's a really beautiful place to end. Thank you. So Heidi Smith, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: Pressure.
1: You know, talking to Heidi the other day reminded me that to be a great designer is not all about the skills that you learn in an obvious way. It's also all the soft skills around. You you got to have those interests that spark your curiosity, spark your imagination, to drive you forward, to create something that's really amazing and will inspire other people. You can't learn everything from the books. You've got to go out there and see and experience everything. So thank you once again for Heidi for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to have you on this. Hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode. If you'd have, then please like and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. I've been Dr Chris Parker, I'll see you next time on the UX Usability.